0: And today we come to you with a Patreon pick. We got a new Patreon. Her name is Miranda, and she was like, "Hey, do you guys take case suggestions?" And we're like, "Oh uh, yes, we do." Hell yeah, girl, we do. Especially from Patreons, we make them priority. Absolutely. So, so she writes us and said this happened. Not it was only about an hour away from her, and so she really would. Wanted our take on it, wanted us to cover it so she could learn some more about it. And then as I started researching it, I was like, holy shit. I remember hearing about this case, actually, because unfortunately the victim, um, in in this case, beautiful young lady, was a member of the same sorority that I... Oh, really? um, Yes. Yep. So she's a member, was a member of the Gamma Phi Beta sorority and I was... Oh, back in the day, a Gamma Phi Beta at Alma College. Wow. And here she was. She's, she is not in, she's in North Dakota, but still same, different same chapter, one. same sorority. Okay. Yep. So I was like, yes, I'm this, this, this felt personal me. to me. Like I really, yeah, I'm going to be covering this one. So this is the case of Drew Shadeen. And it really didn't happen too terribly long ago. So I'm going to start off, as we usually do, with a little bit of background on the victim. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to tell you some background on the perpetrator, which will explain everything, I feel like, when we when we get there and what what happened about her, her abduction and okay. murder. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, so nestle in. Here's a true crime case coming at you. All right. So... Drew Katrina Shadeen was born on September 26th, 1981 to Linda Walker and Alan Shadeen of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Drew was the couple's second and last child. She had um, her older brother Sven who was two years her senior.
1: I love it. I do too.
0: Their names are so cool. They really are. And Drew is spelled D-R-U. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So older brother Sven, uh, they do have a family website and it is still up for Drew. So I did a little bit of perusing on there just to see what, what kind of gal she was. Gal. Oh my gosh. The good old Gail. By the way, Drew is only two years older than me, but I definitely just sounded like I was a-
1: Like grandma, you Gail,
0: 76-year-old lady. I love it. Yep. So Linda Walker, her mom, said on the family website that Drew was very good-natured, smiley, and just an overall wonderful baby who was well-received by the family. Drew had a happy childhood. As a young girl, she was referred to as princess because she loved to dress up in pink print dresses. I feel you, Drew. Mm-hmm. I feel ya. Yep. Which, one of the Gamma Phi Beta sorority colors is pink, so I do is wonder that if that uh, swayed her to do a little bit. It, yeah. She was the quintessential girly girl. From a young age, she established co- close relationships and was adored by those who knew the girl with the electric blue eyes she was her eyes were gorgeous and that was something that people often noticed about her right away Mm -hmm. at the age of three drew's parents divorced but remained friends her mother remarried a man named sid walker and drew lived with her mother brother and sid in their new house in the twin cities area but she and sven did see their father frequently went on vacations with him and actually this is this is co-parenting you guys to an amazing degree. It's like co-parenting goals here. It is because they went on family vacations together. I love it. Yes, so these kids could go on vacation with their mom and their dad and their step parents and oh, get to. So it was
1: like this whole co-parenting yes. like. Unit that of. is
0: such an amazing, and I, I know there's there's people that just can't do it for the kids right. that way, but man, if how amazing could, though, for them. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That, talk about putting the kids first and laying aside your own shit. For sure. That is, I, I loved reading that. Growing up, Drew had many hobbies. She liked gymnastics, track, golf, swimming, basketball, and skiing. However, her favorite pastime was painting. She oh, was very artistic. Yeah, She also enjoyed making unique gifts for friends and family members, which she gave to them on special holidays or just because.
1: I just feel like Drew sweet. and I have
0: a lot in common. I like painting mm-hmm. too. And I loved dressing up when I was a kid. Well, and later today I'm taking Amber on her first golfing trip. Yeah. So, maybe you'll love golfing. I think like I already do. At the end. She's loving the cute outfit requirements. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I, yes. That's like
1: my I was like this might be the sport for
0: me. Yeah. Yes. I love it. she actually texted me and said it feels so good to be an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> so, it really does. We'll see how you feel though when you realize that a tiny little ball can cause you so much aggravation. Mm, okay. So, I'll keep that in mind. We might need to update the listeners. Or do some, maybe we'll record ourselves a little (laughs) bit and post it for people. Um, She, Drew also was considered very thoughtful and generous. She had a vibrant personality and a contagious laugh, which made her so special. In 1992...
1: That was almost uh, hard to drew. say.
0: In 1990, true, Drew Drew <laughs> that was yeah. In 92, Drew and her family moved to uh Pecoy Lakes, Minnesota where she enrolled in Pecquoy Lakes High School, sorry if I am butchering that. She was just as popular there and in her final year of school as she was crowned homecoming queen. After graduating with honors, she was accepted to the University of North Dakota where she majored in graphic design.
1: Very nice. So she had a lot going for her.
0: Yes. And, she and sounds move, like a great girl. Yes, yes. And to move and to still be, get into a new school and be that well-liked that you're homecoming queen and graduate with honors. I mean, she... She's like a Why is it always threat? the wonderful The good people. ones, yes. Why couldn't it have been Gregory that, Green? Uh, that's just <laughs> it. i and, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to Sunday's case because... Why can't people just off the all, like he the, could the, be abducted? Right, he murdered all of his children yes. for crying out loud. Can't we abduct him? Right, that's always uh, the good ones. I know. Now, according to Kristen Swing, who wrote on her family's website prior to her death, Drew enjoyed spending time with her family, her sorority sisters at Gamma Phi Beta, her many friends, and her boyfriend Chris Lang, as well as taking vacations to Mexico, which was her favorite destination. Now, let's get to what happens to Drew. At this time, she's a 22-year-old college student at the University of North Dakota. Mm -hmm. She's a Gamma Phi Beta sorority member. She had, um, on Saturday, November 22nd, 2003, at 4 o'clock, she had finished her shift at Victoria's Secret, which was a store located in the Columbian Mall in Grand Forks, North Dakota. After shopping for and purchasing a new purse from Marshall Fields. I get it. I get it. I, I know. I'm after just work. like, I am. But this, she's living my life. Yeah. We could and have been friends. We could have. 22, sorority sister, going, leaving one job, going and getting myself a little purse because mm-hmm. I deserve it. <laughs> and you do. Mm-hmm. And then leaving, going to leave the mall. And actually, what she was doing was she was due to go to her second job. I mean, this girl worked her butt off. She She worked at Victoria's Secret probably for a discount on the merchandise. I get it. (laughs) That stuff's not cheap. It is not. And we've all had a job where we worked someplace simply for the discount. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Free employee Yours, meal was right.
0: Yours was fast food. Okay, mine was a jewelry store, but whatever. Amber, <laughs> pretty much the same thing. Though. It is. I mean. It is. <laughs> so that so she is. Um, she was due that evening to a shift at, an, at her other job, which I'll get to in just a second. So, what we know is that she purchased that new purse from Marshall Fields. She left the mall and began walking. She's in the mall parking lot. She began walking to her 1994. Oldsmobile Cutlass, which mm. I drove a Ford Taurus, and I'm like, see, your dad got you an Oldsmobile Cutlass because they're good, safe, reliable yeah. cars. That's how I ended up with the old. I'm pretty sure my mom had one of those back in the an day. It Oldsmobile gray. Cutlass, yes. probably. Yeah. Now, during this time when she's in the parking lot, she was speaking with her boyfriend, Chris Lang, on her cell phone. Four minutes into their conversation, Lang later told the police that Drew was saying okay okay before the call abruptly ended lang suspected at the time that the call was just simply dropped and because drew didn't give any sense of urgency lang thought nothing of it mm-hmm. like you know it's it's 2003 cell phones were dropping out like crazy nothing new I think that was even like the time where Sprint was doing their "Can you hear me now?" Oh yeah, yeah, campaigns and whatnot. So her boyfriend really didn't think of it much of it at the time. He didn't because he didn't actually. He heard her say "Okay, okay," but he didn't hear any urgency or anything scary in her voice. So he literally just thought the cell phone call dropped. Gotcha. And about three hours later, Lang receives. Another call from her cell phone, but heard only static and the sound of buttons being pressed. Authorities later find out that this second phone call originated somewhere near near Fisher, Minnesota, but that hasn't actually been like that was reported, but it hasn't been completely substantiated, like uh, you know, substantiated mm-hmm. on. So it sounds like there might be some questions about. If that second phone call, if the, t- the whoops, sorry, if you just heard that, I about knocked my microphone into my face and off the table. We're a very low budget podcast. Very.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but at this point,
1: he's probably not suspecting much either because like my grandma's done that with
0: dialing. Right. Like- and it's, yep, yep. And you're like, hey, hey, grandma, hello? you accidentally, yeah. hello, you accidentally called me. Stop mm-hmm. dialing the phone. You've already made a call. So it and, still
1: may not be super suspicious, right. or yeah. was he?
0: No, and this is this is the era of flip phones. Oh, yeah, it was two thousand and three. Yeah, no. It, it, what makes them get suspicious is when Drew did not show up at her job at El Roco El Roco nightclub. So now there's some concerns because when she doesn't show up for her job and she calls, they call her parents. And then her parents call her boyfriend, and then they're putting all the pieces together. Okay. They're like, um. Something's going on. Yeah. Now, a week later, on December 1st, they do have a suspect. 50-year-old registered level three sex offender, Alfonso Rodriguez Jr. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. He was arrested in connection with Drew's disappearance. Now, I'll give you a little background on... Alfonso Rodriguez, yes. Okay. Oh, I like it. The old Fonz Junior. Actually, he doesn't even deserve that. He Doesn't. You're right. I'll cut take. It down. I'm taking it back. Take it back all the way. He back. He doesn't
1: get the Fonz
0: as a nickname. No, nope. Fonzie. We'll there just we call. Go. Him. And you know what? We can't even call him Elf because I loved Elf. Say this man doesn't deserve his name. He's just Alfonso ah. Rodriguez Junior. So he was the son of a mig- of migrant farm workers Dolores and Alfonso Rodriguez Sr., who traveled between Crystal City, Texas and Minnesota and then decided to settle in 1963 in Crookston, Minnesota. Rodriguez was the second oldest of five children that were born in Laredo, Texas in February 1953. They moved for 15 years around, which you and I both know can cause some interpersonal relationship issues when... Kids are frequently moved and they can't develop good personal relationships and connections with people. And it really sounds like that is what happened to the old Alfonso Rodriguez Jr. Mm -hmm. Is he moved very frequently with migrant worker parents and just never really developed any meaningful relationships in his childhood. He actually admitted to using drugs throughout his youth, including acid, hash and marijuana which, why are we even mentioning marijuana in the same sentence as acid? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, that, at that point in time, marijuana wasn't doing anything. But for, acid was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rodriguez claimed that he was molested by older women during his youth, which he said was a source of his, hostess feel, hostess, his hostile feelings against women. Okay. That, I read that in the Star Tribune. Sexual psychopaths habitually blame others for their criminal behavior and his claim really lacks credibility. There's literally been no nothing to like substantiate that. So he at could all. just be lying about all of it. Yeah, and he is a habitual liar. So it's difficult to uh to believe anything, yeah. but at the same token, sexual abuse as we know is very can be very tricky and hard to prove. So it's possible that his parents really just had no idea because yeah he would have been around other older women so Mm -hmm. I don't know like it
1: could have happened but he's such a liar we're not sure
0: right and what made him he was already think about it he's already moving around and that isolates kids frequently when they're they never really feel like they have their place in the world but also there's a language barrier here Mm-hmm. He speaks Spanish. He's he lives in America where we speak English and it made schools sp- very, very challenging for him. And they didn't at this time go out of their way to have translators and, and to educate migrant ch- workers, children on English. Right, you know, right. so to say that he felt very isolated throughout his childhood is pretty um, a, a major component of what he says. He actually drops out of school during the ninth grade and began working as a laborer at the American Crystal Sugar Company in Crookston. Now, in October 1974, at the age of 21, he asked a woman for a ride home and insisted that he, like, directed her to a driveway in Crookston. This is really where I live. Well, when they get there, he grabs her by the throat, pulled her in the back of the car, and tried to rape her at knife point. But apparently was not successful. It was just attempted. Okay. The next month, he approached another woman who was sitting in a truck outside of Crook's, the Crookston movie theater. He threatened her with a knife and ordered her to drive to a secluded location in the countryside where at this point in time he does rape his victim. Mm, okay. Now, So he's starting a pattern here. Yes, yep, at 21 years old. The police finally catch up with him. He's arrested. He did plead guilty to aggravated rape and an attempted aggravated rape for the first charge, and he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. However, according to the Star Tribune, the judge stayed the prison term to allow Rodriguez to be evaluated and treated at the Minnesota Security Hospital in St. Peter, end quote. While there, he was psychologically assessed and found to have a history of anxiety and depression as well as an alcoholic personality disorder with some Paranoid, schizoid, and antisocial tendencies. He was allowed, instead of being in prison, he was allowed to go stay in this security hospital in St. Pete. Okay, because they're like, okay, so he has mental health issues going on. Yep. But he was allowed some furloughs from the hospital. And while he was on furlough, he was accused of attacking a Mancoto woman for um which for later he was acquitted he potentially while on furlough from his stay at the mental hospital
1: reoffended
0: reoffended but then was later acquitted of it okay interesting mm-hmm. Then, in 1979, he attempted to abduct and sexually assault a 69-year-old junior high school English teacher while she was out walking one night in Crookston. Oh my
1: gosh.
0: The woman fought back as Rodriguez tried to force her into his car. In a fit of anger, he stabbed her with a knife in her elbow and, amp- and abdomen, but she still managed to break free and run to safety. Nice. You want to talk about a badass bitch. Absolutely. Not that I'm saying 69 is old. No. But good she, for you. Yeah.
1: She like fought back. Yeah, and she did. Alfonso was not successful. Wrong grandma. Yeah, you right picked the wrong one, yep. Alfonso. Now, even better- I'm scared because I'm there's. It's so habitual now. It's like yes. if he's out, he will do yep. this.
0: Yep, exactly, exactly. And yet, just kind of like your case on Sunday, like we just ignore the signs and continue to let these people roam. Yeah, On a wing and a prayer that they won't reoffend. And spoiler alert, they do. they do. And they do. Well, this woman, and and the reason that I'm moving through this quickly and not saying everybody's names is because. I found a lot of reports where their names were redacted. So to me, that says they don't want their names Mm -hmm. out there and their survivors. So I'm going to respect that. If I find, when I find information and stuff is well known and it's not redacted, then I'm like, okay, they're okay with their name being out there. But otherwise, I leave it alone. And that's understandable. So that's why I'm, in case you guys are wondering, it's not poor research on my case. It's, I'm trying to be respectful. But this 69-year-old woman was artistically talented and was able to draw a composite sketch of Rodriguez that closely resembled him and led to his capture. Now, this time, he was convicted for attempted kidnapping and aggravated assault and sent to prison for 23 years. So the the drawing was actually spot on? Yeah. It wasn't like you're (laughs) the one? No. No. The one case that I had where the forehead went on—that was—that was was too much. (laughs) Was we went too aggressive? We should post that. I know that one. That was. Got to be the worst composite sketch of anybody. Like, you, it didn't even look human. No, it didn't. Like no one's forehead. I joke that you could land a seven forty seven on mine, but that one, you literally, literally could. Yeah, it was a landing strip. Yeah, that sketch was bad.
1: I, that's just what it made me think of. I'm like, right. oh wow, somebody actually like nailed it with a sketch. Nailed it.
0: Yes, and they were able to to be like, oh yeah, this is Alfonso Rodriguez Jr. Okay. We know exactly who we're looking for, and he was convicted. He was sent to prison for twenty three years. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we come to his release in May 2003. Did he get out early or did he do his time? It doesn't. It. I didn't find anything to say that he didn't do his time. Oh okay.
1: Just curious mm-hmm. because I'm like well a lot of times people get out early. No. And-
0: right. Right. I didn't find anything that insinuated that he did. Yeah. He did his time because his uh, attempted abduction and sexual assault on the 69 year old happened in 79 oh, so okay so he did his time yep, he and did his he time he's released he's out. it's may 2003 during his incarceration rodriguez refused sexual offender treatment and was only counseled for his chemical dependency oh no how are they allowed to refuse, refuse? and still get out i get it that he was sentenced to 23 years so they're like okay you served your time which is probably why he didn't get out earlier because he was refusing treatment but can't we say i'm sorry but you are not getting out like make that a part of the 23 years you have to complete sex offender you whatever so because
1: like we said he was so habitual before and then he's refusing the treatment it's kind of like um it's gonna happen again it is
0: because clearly he sees no problem with his behaviors Upon his release, Rodriguez, Rodriguez moved into his mother's house at 210 Adam Street in Crookston and took on menial jobs. He worked as a on a construction project hanging drywall. Those who lived in Rodriguez' neighborhood were aware that he was a convicted sexual offender. Yet many of them claimed that quote all appeared normal at the house end quote. Which what do you think is gonna be abnormal like i'm sorry but you can drive you're not gonna ever drive by a sex offender's house and be like oh i know that without looking on a sex offender registry first
1: right like
0: what's normal what's it gonna look like yeah
1: what would it have looked like suspiciously right
0: there will not be vaginas and boobs just laying around yeah exactly or penises if it's a female like
1: or like materials out on the yard or something like that they're sneaky and grooming and yes
0: absolutely even after Drew disappeared in November 2003, he got out in May. Drew disappears in November, same year. Wow. No one no one had suspected that he was involved in the crime. That is until law enforcement officials raided his house on November 26th and later arrested him.
1: Let me guess they found something. Well, yes. Let's talk
0: about that. Wow. You're, like, really good at segueing. For someone who's I not catch reading on my notes, you segue <laughs> so good for me. Even though Drew still had not been found, investigators were able to compile enough evidence to implicate Rodriguez in her kidnapping because Rodriguez, R- Rodriguez's 2002 Mercury Sable car. Why is mercury a hard word for Charnel? Wow. Mercury. His 2002 Mercury Sable car, which was seen in the mall surveillance videos on the day Drew disappeared, turned out to be a treasure trove of evidence when it was impounded by police and analyzed in a crime lab.
1: Uh Uh-oh. A
0: search of his car revealed bloodstains and a jackknife. After DNA analysis, the blood stains located in several areas within the car were determined to have come from Drew.
1: Oh wow, so he pretty much hand-served himself.
0: He did. He did because they saw they saw his vehicle in the parking lot on the day that They're she disappeared. Like, oh,
1: we have this habitual offender. <laughs>
0: yeah, ran the plates.
1: Out. And yep, wow, exactly. It did not take him long after 23 years to get right back into not the at game. at all. He
0: got out in May 2003. This is November 2003. Moreover, a four-inch jackknife was discovered in the trunk soaking in a pool of household cleaner, according to CNN article. Investigators claimed that the knife matched the sheath found next to Drew's Oldsmobile. So they have next to her vehicle a knife sheath. Investigators also revealed that several days after Drew's disappearance, a shoe was found under a bridge along the Red Lake River. The black Nine West loafer was identified later um, by Meg Murphy, Drew's roommate, as having belonged to Drew. And I read that in a Fox News article, actually. It was the only article of clothing belonging to her that had been found during the intensive search. Based on the evidence at the time that had passed since Drew's disappearance, it was unlikely that she would be found alive. Grand Forks County Sheriff Dan Hill broke the heartbreaking news to Drew's father, Alan, on December tenth, two 2003. CNN reported that Hill apologized to... Um, Mr. Shadeen and quote the two men were seen hugging and briefly shaking hands end mm. quote what a horrible thing to have to go and say oh yeah
1: Hill, to tell any parent yes like I'm sorry but not with likely. as much
0: with what we have found so far and with as much time as passed it's unlikely that we're going to find her alive Hill was later quoted as saying that the search for Drew was more of a recovery than a rescue mission at this point in time. Drew's friends and family were clearly devastated by the use by the news but yet refused to give up hope in finding her. Now, something that is unprecedented and does not often happen, the governor of North Dakota and Minnesota pledged during a December 9th press conference to aid in the search for Drew by making um, several hundred members of the National Guard and other state employees like come together to do a wide search for her. So I thought that was really unique because you've got two different states coming coming together together to work to find her. That's really awesome. Now, Rodriguez was imprisoned in the Grand Forks jail. He claimed that he was not involved in Drew's disappearance and refused to speak to law enforcement officials or provide information as to her whereabouts despite the evidence against him. Evidence against him. I
1: wouldn't wouldn't even want to hear what he had to say because it's like, please... Like just, uh, right, right. Like just stop,
0: cut the bullshit. Just stop. This is what we've got. Look yeah. at your car. Yeah, your car okay. is like a plethora so of evidence. Explain. You know what else? Like you, you can't even give us a an explanation for why there's blood and a knife in your vehicle. Um, the blood of the victim. Yep, yep. During a brief. Bond hearing several days later, bail for Rodriguez's release was set at a staggering $5 million. Like, yeah, you're not not getting getting out. out. However, Grand Forks citizens were so angered about the possibility of his release that Rodriguez decided to remain in custody for fear of his safety. So even if they had set it to a reasonable amount where he could have got out, he He would have stayed out. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't blame the people. Like, he shouldn't have been out in the first place. And I, I, get how it's difficult those things are complicated but no i it's I know. like as soon as he got out he targeted somebody which we knew would happen exactly like
0: th- he didn't even give himself a whole year no it was and, right back out there and who else had he possibly perpetrated on that just went unreported yeah absolutely or wasn't oh. taken seriously By the police or there wasn't enough information for him to do anything with it. Where you're just like, yeah, this guy came up from behind me. I never really saw him. You know, situations like that. Mm -hmm. Now, Alfonso Rodriguez Jr. is 50 years old at this time. He listens at his bail hearing on a kidnapping charge in Northeast Central District Court in Grand Folk's on December 4th. Federal prosecutors have taken over the case and Rodriguez will appear in court in Fargo. Now, in the meantime, the search for Drew continues, spanning a 30-square-mile area of the Grand Fork region and reaching into Minnesota. Those looking for Drew hoped that they would have more success in finding her since the winter snow had, was just beginning to thaw. Oh, yeah. After five long months of searching, finally, on April 17, 2004, the search for Drew had come to a painful end. A police reservist and a retired deputy searching a secluded area of West Crookston found her mutilated body wrapped in a blanket in a snow-covered ravine near the Minakawa Country Club golf course. Oh, no. Her body had bore marks of torture and severe physical abuse. So Drew's body was found partially nude and face down in a ravine. Her hands were tied behind her back, and she had been beaten, stabbed, sexually assaulted and had several lacerations, including a five and a half inch cut on her neck. A rope was also tied around her neck and remnants of a shopping bag were found under the rope, suggesting that the bag had been placed on her head. That's probably how he abducted her. Yeah. The medical examiner concluded that she had either died as a result of a major neck wound from suffocation or from exposure to the elements. An autopsy would later reveal that she had been raped.
1: True. true it, so, it just breaks my heart to think of what she went through because
0: of this. Honestly, like, let it be the neck injury so that means that she went fast. Because yeah. when you are now throw out, it could have been exposure to the elements. So she laid there suffering. Yeah, that would be horrible. After have been s- stabbed, beaten, and sexually assaulted. Like, the stab wounds were not done in an area. They, they weren't fatal. Because it was... Um, November, right? So yeah. it would have been cold and yes, oh yep. And they did not; they didn't find her until April seventeenth. Drew's family was overwhelmed with grief upon hearing the heart-wrenching discovery, and her father told reporters, that "We were waiting for the for that call, and when that call came, we all stopped living for a second. It was her parents' worst nightmare, and one that would haunt them for the rest of their lives." Oh, how horrible! A year after pre-trial hearings, the trial of Afonso Rodriguez Jr. Um, for kidnapping and murder charge was scheduled to begin on July 6, 2006. So this happened at the end of 2003, mm-hmm. and now we're in the middle of 2006. U.S. District Judge Ralph Erickson was appointed to proceed over the trial. The prosecution t- team was led by U.S. Attorney Drew Wrigley and U.S. Attorney Norman Anderson. They spent Those two years preparing for the case. Oh, I bet. They went hard at, we will make sure that this man is convicted. Good. The evidence against him is compelling. The other thing that was found that I believe I forgot to tell you guys this was in his car, that new purse that she had just bought that same day was it in was, his it, car. Oh
1: my gosh. But he was and still I like don't I don't know
0: didn't do it. Right. And I don't know if he took it thinking that it was her current purse and he was going to get her money and gotcha. stuff or what. But but it that, was in there. I mean that right there is is a pretty big smoking gun. Mm-hmm. If oh, you for sure. ask me.
1: Poor Drew. She was just trying to get a purse and get on to her next job and Yeah. Ex- the scrub comes along yep. and
0: and takes her life. Now, there was a little bit like A little bit of drama because at first when they come into the courtroom and they're starting like the jury selection, there was some sort of computer glitch and it turned out that the jurors that were selected were, was not like at random because of this computer glitch. So I don't know if it was like alphabetical and that's how they discovered it. Like, wait a second, there's no way Uh all these, you know, people could have possibly been selected. So things got delayed even longer after that. They had to like dismiss and okay, we're going to come back, but. But finally, when they did come back, the prosecutors were planning to seek the death penalty. Since the heinous crime that was committed across the state lines... Joseph Daly, a criminal law professor at Hemline University in St. Paul, told CNN, A federal death penalty case is quite unusually, unusual, especially when you're talking about a state that doesn't even have the death penalty. Oh, wow. North Dakota abolished the death penalty law in 1975, and the last criminal put to death in the state occurred in 1905. If Rodriguez is sentenced to death, he could be the first person to be executed in the state in more than 100 year, years. So they really wanted
1: this guy. Oh, yeah.
0: Yes. Human rights advocates advocates expressed anger about the decision to seek the death penalty. However, the controversy did not deter the federal prosecutors, who agreed with Minnesota Governor Tim uh, Paul Lentley when he stated, quote, that the most heinous sex offenses should be subject to the death penalty, end quote. And no one really knows if Drew was for or against, like, what her wishes would have been in that that situation. But, but I they just, wanted justice for yeah, her. Yeah, and I just thought that it was really, un, like, I wanted to point out how much people fought for her yeah, because yeah. that's unusual for two, first of all, for two states to come together and work as well as they did on her case. But then to be like, you know what, this is a federal case now because it's across state lines. We're going to seek the death penalty even though we get it. It happened in North Dakota and we don't have it. We'll be so bringing it back we're for this going. bitch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good for them. I mean, I know there's mixed feelings on the death penalty, but right. the, the good for them is more of like they wanted justice for
0: her. Yes, and, and I. so often than not, we don't get to report like this. Where, yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely, <laughs> where everyone is coming together and doing their jobs and getting it done for a victim. Hold I on. mean, our
1: last case, they wanted justice for the
0: murderer, so this is a treat exactly. to see communities coming together for it, this Poor victim. Yes, exactly. On August 30th, 2006, Rodriguez was convicted in federal court of the murder of Drew Shadeen.
1: Yeah, Okay, I was just
0: going to say. Shedin. Yep, of Drew Shadeen. And on September 22nd, 2006, the jury recommended that he receive the death penalty. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. On February 8th, 2007, Rodriguez was formally sentenced to death by the U.S. District Judge Ralph R. Erickson. He is... Im, he is currently imprisoned at the United States Penitentiary uh, Terry Haught in Indiana. Judge Erickson arranged that Rodriguez would be executed. Rodriguez later admitted his guilt in a death row interview with Dr. Michael Wellner on June 28, 2003.
1: Oh, wow. So he actually did admit to what he did.
0: Yep. And his uh, his attorneys in October of 2011 did file a federal habeas corpus motion claiming that rodriguez is mentally disabled like he didn't know what he was saying mm-hmm. oh my gosh and why about other guys and he didn't know what he was doing so they're trying to get the death penalty currently that's the state that it's in um, so they're
1: still fighting for him to not get the death penalty mm-hmm.
0: yep yep wow i do want to some information that i found um on april 24th drew of 2004 drew's family finally was able to bid their daughter farewell during a service in Grandview Lodge near uh, Niswa, Minnesota, the funeral was attended by an estimated 1,500 people. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. All of whom had been touched by Drew in life and in death, Drew was remembered as a young woman with a generous heart and an infectious spirit. I liked this quote that a family friend, Bob uh, he, um, Healyce, a family friend told Fox News, Drew is going to carry so many people forward and there will be so many good things done because of Drew. One of the things that was that happened was the creation of Drew's Law, a bill it, which is a part of the Children's Safety Act of 2005, which was passed. And so it is dubbed, legislation dubbed it Drew's Law, which set up the Drew... Uh, Shadeen National Sex Offender Public Registry. It was passed in 2006, signed into law by President George W. Bush, and in 2004, a scholarship in Drew's name was set up at the University of North Dakota. And there is a memorial garden set up for her in her hometown of Pequot Lakes, ah, Pequot. <laughs> it's so bad, <laughs> Lakes, uh, Minnesota.
1: You know, I it's it's horrible when we hear these things happening, but I love hearing that
0: change was when made. People, I know exactly. Now was this the Drew Shadine National Sex Offender Public Registry?
1: Okay, so was this when sex offenders now had to public publicly register for?
0: Wikipedia said, says it is a, co- a cooperative effort between U.S. state agency that host public sex offender registries and the U.S. federal government. The registry is coordinated by the U.S. Department of Justice and operates a search site tool allowing to a user to submit a single query to obtain information about sex offenders throughout the United States. So what it is, is it's not the law that requires them to to register as a sex offender, it is a search engine tool that allows us to be able to s- search either a specific name or search our town and find and out see. where they are. Okay. Gotcha.
1: Yep. It's so, amazing that that, I mean, it really wasn't all that long ago. It, no. But thank, thank God like, that it's now you know, a, a law.
0: As a CPS worker, those are things that I really took for granted. The ability to search for those things and the ability to see backgrounds on people or whatever. And I didn't, it didn't even like dawn on me that this wasn't always right. this easy. Yeah,
1: yeah. You didn't have access to that information before. Yeah.
0: I love that something like that could come out of something horrific, but.
1: It's just so sad to me when we have to learn these things from such a brutal. I, murder I know. or rape or you know it's just it, but i'm glad that that happened because like you said i can't imagine that not being a thing now and it's it's actually really eye-opening to think gosh it hasn't been that long
0: no no we're talking 2004 yeah 2005 they passed the law in 2005 that we've now got a search engine to search engine tool however I will say though think about it the internet was still very young in 2005 we remember 2005 like it was yesterday but technically the you know the internet was still in its infancy then but it's boy technology sure does grow up at lightning speed it does you know I mean just the things that we take for granted like how easy it is to access stuff now that just many years ago, not that many years ago, it wasn't that easy to access. So, yeah, so that's Drew Shadeen and her terribly tragic death that he did finally admit to. And, um, Even though he didn't give intimate details, but he, he did admitted confess. to abducting her, raping her, and killing her.
1: I can't believe that there's people out there that are still like, oh, he's mentally
0: not well. Don't look. Yep, he didn't mean it. Right, even though he's a habitual offender, yeah, this is what he does. How many? I mean, come on, he served twenty three years for attempting to, us, uh, you know, rape and and abduct a sixty nine year old woman. I guess the like part, he doesn't even have a, a type because no, she's it's a beautiful twenty two year old girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it is opportunity, and the
1: the fact that he didn't complete his treatment and yep. refused to, I mean. As we know, those things don't just go away. It's not oh. like you can say, "Oh, well, twenty-three years passed; he's fine now. We yep. can let him out." Yep, exactly. So clearly not, because this was months later that he reoffended. Yeah, months. It's just so sad that she had to be the
0: the victim of that. Yeah. But, Again, something that could have been preventable.
1: But something good came out of it.
0: I'm grateful it for that. But and still, rest in peace, beautiful Drew. Yeah. Thank you, Miranda, for recommending that case. Yes, it thank you. happened so close. Hopefully we did it some justice. And, um, you know, message us, let us know how you liked it. So make sure, you guys, that you follow us on social media. We are looking for a student intern. If you're interested, email us, crimecuriousayahoo.com. And before we wrap up, shall I give you a little brain bath?
1: Please do.
0: Okay. This is one that all women can relate to. Oh, you and have my attention. Ever, at some point in time in your life, a, okay, a woman can relate to this whether she wants to admit it or not. Here's the title. A woman beats her boyfriend because he quote finished before her. Uh-oh. <laughs> I read that and was like, yep, it's here it is. It's a personal, it's it's a personal act, relatable story. Yep. I mean, not saying anything. Women don't I, take that lightly. Th- we do not. We don't. Raquel Gonzalez Allegedly assaults boyfriend, Ezric Davis, for orgasming too quickly. My favorite is the opening line of the article starts with, The cops came, not a moment too soon. <laughs> I love it when authors have a sense of humor. Pun intended. Absolutely. And when you look at her mugshot, you guys... She is grimming. Is she mad? Oh, she mad. She's mad. Yeah. She's mad because she's like, motherfucker deserved it. I am sick and tired of pleasure in his ass and getting <laughs> and he rolls nothing over in and return. goes to sleep. That's right. Raquel Gonzalez, 24, had been arrested for allegedly assaulting her boyfriend, 30-year-old Ezraik Davis, when he had an orgasm and she did not, according to a police report obtained by the Smoking Gun. I thought
1: that was a fun one to write up for right? the police. <laughs>
0: Let me just take this report down. Yeah. Am, I, am I hearing you correctly? <laughs> you beat him because he orgasmed Finished before courtly. you. Okay. Apparently, during sex, the boyfriend orgasmed first and the girlfriend proceeded to beat him. Well, men, just be sure if you ever sleep with this woman, let her finish first. <laughs> yeah. Like, please why? do. My question is, sweetheart, why does it have to be done just because he's done? Like, Right. God gave us multiple ways to orgasm. He
1: did. Just get creative. Maybe she, maybe that was like the last
0: straw. Maybe it happened so many times. You and I both know. She's like, that's it. It had happened too many times. They had probably already talked about it. Like, a healthy conversation. think about your grandma for five minutes. That's all I need, man. Just, (laughs) come on. Can't you? And, And for all we know, this was just like seconds. And she was like. Uh, seriously, again? Yeah, I can't do this with you. Yeah, gosh, she was ticked. That's for sure. She was. So she, so she beat him. We may have some anger issues. There might be some. There might be yep. displaced anger happening here. We all but know there's a breaking it. point, and that was right. hers. Hers, and I get it. I, I take orgasming very seriously as well, but. Perhaps not not this, seriously. <laughs> no assault happening yet. No assault. No assault <laughs> is, is going to happen. That's for sure. Oh, God. Oh, that was so, a good one. There it is. There it is. All right. Until next time, guys. Oh, hey. Keep it curious. Oh, yeah. But not so curious that you beat your boyfriend yeah. when he orgasms before you. Because sometimes it's just going to happen. All right? And sometimes you're going to go first. Sometimes he's going to go first. It's just <laughs> That's the whole mystery of sex. You never know. Just enjoy it. Yes.
1: A safe level of curious out there, yeah. people.
0: Yes practice safe curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> That's our new slogan. That's
1: good. That's good. I like that. Right. I'm writing that down. Write it down. <laughs> All right. Bye, bye guys. guys.